now rocking with Matt and Dez. Let's go. Welcome to the Matt and Dez Experience. Matt and Dez Gonzalez are the founders of Kingdom Culture Ministries, a nonprofit organization that specializes in training, consulting, and resourcing leaders. Join them as they talk about life, family, faith, and all things prophetic. Now let's get to today's episode of the Matt and Dez Experience. Welcome to the Matt and Dez Experience. I'm your co-host, Matt Gonzalez. And I'm your other co-host, Desiree Gonzalez. On today's show, we are excited to have one of our great friends, Tiffany Lane, on the show today in the house. We're going to be talking about discovering your sphere of influence. Tiffany, what is up? Welcome to the show. Hey. It's so excited to have you. We've been meaning to do this episode for a while now, and now we get to do it finally, huh, babe? Yeah. So, awesome. <laughs> so Tiffany, tell the listener just a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do. Yeah, so um, I work for a major corporate retailer um, based out of San Francisco. Grew up here in Vacaville. Um, always had a passion to be involved in ministry. I thought my dream was to be a youth pastor. Little did I know that I was going to end up in the marketplace. And so, yeah, 15 years later, I'm just out here in the marketplace. Come on. You know, one of the reasons we wanted to do this episode with you, Tiffany, is just I love your story. You know, I think both me and Des, you know, we've just been talking and, and as we were talking before this show with you, you know, there's just something about the power of a story, the power of someone's journey that releases breakthrough to people's lives. And I know today that, that the listener is going to walk away with keys for breakthrough because realistically, a lot of people who are actually in the church, uh, their sphere of influence isn't necessarily going to be in the church, it's going to be in the marketplace. And that's what I love about this episode today because your story to is so powerful just how you were on that journey um kind of sensing the call maybe to become a youth pastor everything was going that way and then there was a suddenly of god the suddenly of god that just began to transform and now here you are and what you do for a living you're actually transforming culture within your organization using kingdom principles and and i love this so let's get into this so tell us about your journey tell us about your story yeah, so, you know, like I said, as when I was young, was in ministry, um, super young, involved. I think I was at the church possibly seven days a week, um, <laughs> but just really passionate about it. Had a super big heart for young people, and I actually got engaged really young. Um, thought I was going to be, you know, married at 20 years old. We were going to be youth pastors together. Um, that, you know, just felt like that wasn't supposed to be, and called off, called off our engagement a few months before our wedding, and really came to a place where I was like, what now? Like, where am I supposed to go? Like my whole identity sort of felt like it was wrapped up in the church. Wow. Um, we had so many plans for the future, like our five-year plan. I think we had a 10-year plan, to be honest. <laughs> um, and nowhere in any grid of my mind would have I ever imagined retail being an option, wow. not even just for a part-time job. So I, um, when we broke up, I was actually in ministry school already um, and working at a Christian school at the time. And I remember when we broke up, I just remember driving around town asking God, like, what now, like I don't want to have this this um, this time to where I'm just doing nothing, where I feel like mm. I'm having this identity crisis. Like, no, I know who I am in you, even though I'm young. Like, I know that you have the best for me, so I don't want to have this six month period or this year period where I don't know who I am because wow. I broke off in an engagement. So I'm like, okay, God. And I remember driving around Vacaville, and um, I remember I had this humbling moment, which was so silly. But I'm like, God, I'll work at Taco Bell, okay? And not that there's anything <laughs> working at anything bad about working at Taco. 
Bell. But I'm just like, where do you want me, Jesus? Um, wow. And I remember I actually parked outside of an Old Navy. It was a Sunday night. I can still to this day remember the time. It was 8.05 p.m. They were just closing and their manager, who now I know to this day, was standing outside the door and he just said, um, hey, we're closed for the day. I remember walking up. I said, can I just get an application? He's like, yeah, sure. So I got an application. Um, and really, I mean, the rest is history. Clearly, all these years later, um, I'm working for the larger corporation. I had no idea that's where I would be going into. And I thought it'd be like a six month thing. Like, I'm just going to work a seasonal job. It's holiday. I'll just learn how to fold some clothes really well. Mom did laundry for me <laughs> growing up. So I wasn't, you know, a great shirt folder, sort of say. <laughs> um, but yeah, got the job kind of on the spot and thought it was going to be a little thing. And then little did I know that this would become my career, which was actually crazy crazy because growing up in school, um, I never really felt smart. I never really felt intelligent. I passed with minimal grades, you know. Um, so to go into business was not something that I would ever imagine to be a part of my life. Wow. You know, I want to go back just a little bit. You said something that I, it caught my attention. You had talked about like, you know, you were in church in ministry school and you were heading towards being a youth pastor. And it just seems like your world came crashing down to a certain extent. Uh, almost maybe maybe a rude awakening. You talked about, you know, maybe going through an identity crisis. Do you think because maybe you didn't see a model of what was available outside the church that the only model you had kind of begin to form your identity where you felt like you were heading a certain direction, but it wasn't really for you? Yeah, I think, you know, growing up in the church at a fairly young age, I think I started, you know, seventh grade really going. So growing up in youth group as early as possible, it was kind of like your goal was to be a youth pastor. So you became a youth leader before you probably even have the age to be a youth leader. And yeah, that was what I aspired to be. And I, I didn't have a grid for anything outside of that. So it was just kind of like, okay, ministry is where it's at. But I didn't know what, hap what happens if I don't do ministry. So would you say that maybe your identity was a result of the culture model that you saw? It just kind of was more like, wow, this is what I can be because that's all you ever seen. Yeah, totally. I think it's what I, what I, this is the only place that I can influence young people. And I had such a passion for young people, even though I was young myself, wow. that I only saw that sphere of influence as the place that I could really influence young people. And they had to come to me. I didn't necessarily have to go to them. Wow, that's so interesting because I feel like I definitely had a similar experience when it comes to that. You know, you grow up in, in church and especially during the those teen years and I'd go to youth camps and have amazing encounters with the Lord. But when they would do a call, like the last night, right? They would always do a yes. call, like yes. who feels called by God? And the only option they would give would be yeah. ministry, specifically <laughs> pastoring or youth pastoring. And I'm like, um, first of all, I have no idea what I'm doing with my future. I'm only 15. Second of all, I don't feel called to be a pastor necessarily. And of course, since then, I have been a pastor. But at the time, <laughs> I was like, no, I don't feel like God has told me that. So of course, I would sit there in my seat feeling discouraged, you yeah. know, yep. and I'm like, how many other people have that story? Well, the reality, too, is, you know, as you guys were talking, I remember those camp meetings. I remember it was like yep. the last night. It was like the call of God night. And like, it, you just felt bad because those who maybe did sense a call were at an altar call and they're getting rocked by God, they're experiencing God. And you have people outside who are in their seats still. And it was just like, it was, it was such a separation. We talk about not doing, you know, secular and sacred, but those altar calls really were a separation of secular and sacred 
when it's all in the kingdom of God. And so there was a separation. I even think that's why, if we just keep it real, babe, and you know, even Tiffany, I feel like that's even some of the reasons why even now we're seeing some of the marriages that started on ministry kind of come crumbling down because of the fact the only model was that, you know, hey, you become an evangelist, you become a pastor, and you marry somebody who's who's going to be the traveling singer. They're going to play, <laughs> uh, you know, the keyboard and sing. You guys are going to have this awesome thing together, or they're going to be a children's pastor. And it's just like, it was like, it was in the culture. And, and by no means are we dissing church culture because we grew up, I'm thankful for it. But I think what we are all in agreement is that, you know, there's a reformation happening and how that is. And that's why I think your story and journey is so powerful right now. It's so relevant, Tiffany. And I'd like to talk about, so you felt like you were over your head. Yes. Can you talk about it? Because I mean, going from like really having the dream, because that's kind of even my story, you know, wanted to be a professional baseball player, then your dreams crushed. And then you see another model and you have hope like Donnie Moore, Sean Smith, these evangelists where I begin to watch them. It gave me a model to dream again and say, that's what I want to be. And so you begin to have this, uh, this go on this journey of rediscovering not only your identity, but rediscovering maybe an area that you felt passionate about and some doors begin to open. Will you talk about that? Yeah. Um, saying I was overwhelmed is a <laughs> understatement. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing in the retail world. I mean, wow. no idea. Um, and I was, you know, probably about six months just doing the regular thing, folding the shirts, going going home, going back to church, you know, so it's still, everything was still wrapped around church, but I began to notice the leadership in the retail world. And there was something about them that I looked up to. And, and a part of what they had, I wasn't seeing in the church. And obviously the church has things that I wasn't seeing in the store. And so I started to kind of take apart both of the, like, what are these leaders offering in this retail world? And what is what is the leadership offering in the ministry world? And how can those two things come together? And so I sort of just started observing that at a young age. I think I was about 20 um, and thinking like, man, I, I want a mixture of that. And how does that work? But no one really had the answers for that back mm. then. So it was either or it was either even the people in retail are like, well, you're either going to commit here. And the church is like, well, you're either going to commit here, but you need to choose. But I I always felt like there was this wrestling in me that I didn't have to choose and I was going to pursue both. And wow. so that's what I did. And so um, a slow, very quickly, I started to get little promotions. So I remember my first promotion, which is kind of a funny story, but it was like cash handler. So yeah, and and go, to go back to in school, like I wasn't not that I was like not smart, but I just passed. Right. It wasn't like I didn't try super hard. I didn't I never plan on going to college. Um, I just always struggled in school. And so the first promotion wow. in retail was to count the money, my worst nightmare. But that's the first, you know, that's the first promotion. So like, okay, you're cash in now. You get to count thousands of dollars <laughs> at night when you're tired. Wow. Um, and so I remember watching all these girls do it and I'm in ministry. So I have my identity being spoken into. I have pastors speaking into my life every single day. But then here I am in this retail world, getting this promotion, being celebrated in the church for this promotion, but then really being in the world and in this small office with all this money everywhere. And I remember being in ministry school, telling God, I don't want your help. 
to count this money. I don't want your help in this here. You can help me in church, but I don't want your help here. I don't want your help in this store. I don't want your help in this job because all these other girls and all these other guys here are able to function without you. And I'll take you in church, but I don't want to function. I don't want to have to need you for every little thing in the world. Because if these worldly people can just count money and have no problem and be promoted and promoted, why me who's going to ministry school and who has sacrificed, I mean, in my mind at the time, I'm sacrificing my whole life for Jesus, right? I've laid down my life a hundred thousand times at every youth camp, <laughs> at every single church day that I've gone to. And so here I am, and I just want this one thing to just be good at it without mm-hmm. having to include God in, which is totally backwards thinking, but that was my 20 year old self. And so that night I, I, you know, I lay out the money, I get everything ready and I tell God like, don't help me. And it was the worst count that we've ever had. I think probably in the history of that store, money was physically on the ground, like tills flipped over. It was thousands of dollars off. And so I just remember that was a critical moment where I felt like marketplace and ministry met where God was like, you're not to do anything without me, no matter where you are in the world. I'm in everything. I'm not just in the church. And that was a pivotal moment for me to recognize like he is so not just in the church. He is in my workplace. He is out at the grocery store. He is on the road. He's everywhere that I go. And that was a huge shift for me. Wow. Wow. I have another question for you because I think it's interesting because you 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 were building that identity and part of that identity was in ministry and going towards youth pastoring. Then all of a sudden you find this favor, pretty much favor in retail, which is going totally against maybe what your identity at the time was saying and totally against where you were going. How did you rediscover yourself? What did that look like? What, what did the rediscover your identity look like? And how did you recognize the favor that was on your life in retail that wasn't necessarily on your life? in ministry? Yeah, that's a really good question. It actually took me some years <laughs> to recognize, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. It didn't happen overnight. It was years. So I've been in retail in October of this year. It'll be 15 years. Wow. And so it took me, I mean, this is embarrassing to say, but it took probably over six years for me to even begin to understand the favor that was on me. Even though within two years of being a part of the company, I had had like three promotions with no, with no, no history of retail, no college degree. So on all the um, applications to become a manager, it's either you have to have a certain amount of years with a company or you have to have a college degree, a bachelor, a bachelor's <laughs> degree. So I do, I'm not qualified, literally yeah. not qualified. Um, but here I am. Leaders are just seeing me and they're like, hey, do you want this job? What about this job? So I didn't recognize it. You know, I still kept going back to ministry. Yeah. So I still kept my number one was ministry. My primary and my mind was still ministry. But yet I had this job 40 hours a week that wow. I was going to. Um, so, and it wasn't until I had a really, really pivotal moment um, in my career where I was leading a group of people and I actually started to get frustrated of like, why am I still stuck? Because in my mind, I was stuck in retail. In my mind, I fell into retail. Um, it's not what I, it didn't match my dreams and my passions, but I liked it. I never went to work and, and hated it. I always yeah. liked my job, but I just didn't, I kept battling. It was a battle of the mind of, is this where I'm supposed to be? Yet every, there's a million signs and people talk about, you know, there's all these signs in front of you. All of mine were there to that it was God's favor upon me, but I couldn't see it. So there's a pivotal moment in my career where I remember I was um, I was at a conference and there was thousands of people at this conference. And I remember really telling the Lord like, okay, I think I'm going to leave. 
I think it's time. I'm going to leave retail. I've been doing this for years. I don't see where my sphere of influence really is. How, what am I really doing here? Like, I want to be a world changer. I want to impact the people around me. Oh, wow. How am I doing that through running a store where we fold clothes? <laughs> like, really, I mean, it's a real question. Wow. And yeah. so, um, I, so I took time off. I was the first time I ever took time off for myself in over a decade. It just didn't do anything. Kind of just told God, like, my first day back, like, I'm either going to feel to stay or, or not. And you're going to have to tell me because... I, I ha, I'm done. So I went to this conference and I I heard it so clear in the midst of thousands of people. He said, Tiffany, you have been leading your own way and you've yet to let me lead through you. Mm-hmm. And the second that you allow me to lead my people, sort of say, through you, you're going to not just like your job, you're going to love your job and you're going to see that this is where I've always had you to be. This whole time you've thought you could only impact people in the church, but I have given you hundreds, literally hundreds of people right in front of your face and you had a passion for young people and I've surrounded you with 300 young people Wow! and you have yet to see them. So I'm sitting in this church or this church, (laughs) it became my church. Um, I'm sitting at this conference in Florida and I mean, tears are just streaming down my face because I realize like, oh my gosh, he he's placed me in the marketplace, in the business world, where I have always felt, in, re- in all reality, not qualified. Wow. Um, I'm not educated this for this. I have no qualifications for this. But he took my heart for young people and for people in general. I, I mean, I have a heart for young people, but for just to merge generations mm. too. And so then here I am like, not only running a store, but a community of people. And I have all this influence and I didn't even see it. Wow. So here you are, you're working retail and you said something a few minutes ago because like school wasn't my thing at all. Like like I barely graduated high school if it wasn't for a mistake. Literally, I, I kid you not. And I'm thinking like I'm I'm hearing you speak right now because math was my worst subject. Like like I avoided it in junior college because I hated math. Here you are and now you put in charge of all the finances. Yes. And I mean, talk about fear. I mean, I, you're, I'm hearing you talk and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. That wasn't me because I have nothing to do with math. Oh, but I, what I love, you said something. I want to ask you and I like to ask Des this too because we've had this conversation. What happens when your favor doesn't line up with your passions or dreams? Because I see that happen a lot of times where our favor doesn't line up with either maybe some of our dreams, some of our passions, or even our prophetic words. Like sometimes in a season, we'll get prophetic words, but our favor looks totally different. And I like to tell people that sometimes in the season you're in, you, it's not necessarily you fall, don't follow your prophetic word, follow your favor. Yep. Because many times your favor can lead you to your destiny, even though it's looking like it's a different path than you thought. So I would like to ask you guys that, like, like what are some keys that, or just some principles you could release to the listener that their favor looks way different than maybe some of their passions or dreams. Yeah, I think for me, um, it's really interesting you say that because actually none of my prophetic words all through ministry school, all through youth group, none of them matched what I'm doing now. Wow. Not, not one word. <laughs> but I think what, what, I, what I remind myself is that sometimes when you look at a prophetic word and you just pull words out, and you decide that that's the prophetic word. But I, because I really struggle with this, I begin to ask God, like, what about all these people I trust that are totally prophetic people yeah. that love you, have given me these words, but they're not matching. And I feel like God would take me on a journey of like, our job is also to process them with him. Mm-hmm. So what does that, find the that's keys and find the keys in that word. Because if you really look into 
to, you know, some of them, you're going to find that actually they match. They're just not matching the way you, they, that you thought they would. For example, I would get all kinds of words about you're going to preach and you're going to travel and you're a preacher and you're a teacher. And I was a preacher and a teacher every week of my life. Um, and it was like to thousands of people and you're going to influence all these people. Yeah. But when I really look at what I'm doing now, I am a teacher yeah, and I am a preacher, That's yeah. good. Um, but I'm a teacher and a preacher in the marketplace. Come and it, and it's not exactly what I thought. Maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe their word of being on church and the stage in this city wasn't right, but they actually weren't off. Mm. It was just me and you need to figure out what does that look like? But because we grew up in church, when we think of preacher teacher, we have this picture of being on stage in a That's church. Good. But really, we all should be preachers and teachers. I mean, I, yeah. we're believers. So what the, what does that look like in the marketplace? I still have thousands of people that I get to influence. Wow. I still have, sort of say, a stage. It's not about the physical yeah. stage. It's about who's in front of you every day. And yeah. so I began to realize that actually it kind of did match. It's just not the way I thought it would be. And and I would say, to add to your point, and Des, if you want to jump in, is that, you know, it seems like because of the church culture, sometimes the prophetic words or the quality of the prophetic words that are being spoken by people or are colored by church culture. Mm -hmm. So it's like you were saying like the substance of the word they were speaking over you was right on. Yeah. But the actual maybe language they were using because they only had church language. Yeah. It kind of was almost paralyzing because you you walk away thinking like, oh, it's supposed to be in the church culture when it's not. You're actually doing it. I love that. And even I think that's one of the things that we have to work on. That's one of the things I have a passion to see even in the prophetic is learning how to customize the language, not compromise the message, but customize the language that fits the person to where they're going and not just using Christianese because then we paralyze people with our words that have right on substance, but our language is so different and wrong that it could actually bring misdirection than rather helping people go in the, in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, just us even talking about, you know, our experiences and in, in, in youth group and whatnot. I feel like I think at that time I I equated my heart and passion for God and my heart and passion for people that equaled ministry. Like that yeah. was the outlet. You wow. know, I had no grid like a lot of us, you know, and thank the Lord that he's bringing and shedding light to this now. But I had no grid of what what that look like in any other place but the church. And so I just, I, you know what I love? I love how God is so strategic in our lives that, <laughs> you know, let's just call them God detours. You know, Ooh, I feel like, I like there's, there's times where we feel like we're on a detour. You know, we feel like, oh my gosh, I don't even see clearly or I don't, I don't, I don't feel like this is the right direction I'm going. But really looking back, you realize, oh, wow, that was really God. And he was actually, that was part of my preparation. And even looking back on, on my life and, in ministry and, and everything we've done, you know, God has allowed us to do so many things, you know, being missionaries on college campus, being pastors, you know, running a school of ministry and, and now itinerant ministers. And so there's so many different facets, but all the while, like, I feel like every single one of them was part of that preparation. And, you know, in, in him, no season is lost. I just want to encourage, if you're listening, I just want to encourage the listener right now, even if you feel like you're in that place where you're like, man, I really don't feel like I'm functioning in my, in my sphere of influence. But I just want to encourage you that no season is lost in him. That's good. And, you know, this could be just part of that process that God's taking you through. Cause I feel like for me, I just can, I just want to share just one part of my story. I feel like even in the past two years, I've been discussing 
discovering, what do you call it, your field of favor or your sphere of influence. Yeah. There's a lot of different terminology you can use, but I never understood what that meant, honestly. And all these years later, what that really meant for me. Like, I know that we've done a lot of things in the church mountain, if you want to call it that, as a sphere of influence in the church mountain. Um, and it's been amazing. And I've and I've loved so many different parts of it, but I still feel this pull. I've felt this pull to the business mountain. Come on. And, you know, it's funny. And I'm just looking back because I did go to school for business, but at the time, I didn't even want to go to college. Like yeah. I was really only doing it out of honor for my dad and my grandfather. And now, of course, looking back, I'm so thankful for that. And that ultimately was part of the preparation that God was taking me through. But I didn't see it at the time. Wow. I didn't see it. And all these years later, God had had started bringing to my awareness and bringing to my attention that there was favor sitting right before me and I never saw it. Wow. I never saw it because I, I feel like it's this whole thing on legacy and I would love if you would touch on this too, Tiffany, because I know Ooh. we were talking on, about this earlier, but if I, and I think I even said this on a previous episode, but I think if if I could narrow down like one or two of my greatest passions, it would be legacy and family. Mm. And I know like my, that is my legacy. My my dad, my grandfather, I'm in a, a my lineage is in business. They were entrepreneurs and they're, they're, you know, I always felt like, oh, I got to go do it on my own. But I didn't see the favor I felt like I should have seen in wow. different in different areas and all of, all the while I never even saw what was being available that was available to me and I feel like just in the past 2 years God has really um you know opened my eyes to that and that's I've so been pursuing good. that cuz that that's truly my heart is is to take what has been built for me and have more to give to the next generation that really is and so I know you were talking about that earlier Tiffany can you talk a little bit about your heart for legacy and what that looks like in your life? So for me, it was it was interesting because I didn't know when I first started with this corporation that it was a family-owned business, that it started that way. And my family too, uh, there's a lot of business in our family. So my uncles had their own business. My sister has her own business. Uh, my dad works in business. Um, and I never, you know, connected that. But when I, as I grew up, because I really did grow up in the company, I met, I remember meeting the founder, um, the husband founder one day and I, it was really interesting because I look back on that day and I didn't appreciate who I was meeting. He introduced his name. He said, I'm so-and-so. I shook his hand. I said, who are you? You know, you should <laughs> you should 100% know the founder of your multi-billion dollar company. I love it. <laughs> But I was in my early 20s, you know, just doing my, again, didn't think that this was, this wasn't my passion. I was just showing up to work, liked my job, wasn't anything more than that. And so he said who he was. And uh, I do remember there was a moment where I, w I paused and I watched him and he stood there with one of our brand presidents and they were just kind of watching customers go in and out of the store. And I remember thinking, I wonder what a man like that is thinking. Mm -hmm. What could yeah. he possibly be thinking? So there was like kind of like a seed in my heart that day, but I still didn't really fully understand, you know, really what legacy meant, what what his role really was, what did even being a founder mean? Um, and as I grew up in the company, I began to hear more and more and more about our founders. And there was just something that settled in my heart that I really felt called to honor them and to honor what their what legacy they had built and were continuing to leave behind because he actually passed away. Wow. Um, but his wife is still alive. She's in, in her 90s and they, they have sons and they're still involved as well. And I just really felt the Lord grab a hold of my heart of like, you're here for so many more reasons than you recognize. Sometimes we 
just see what we see and think, oh, this is why we're here. Wow. The Lord's like, you're here for so much more. Like you're called to help carry on their legacy within the stores that you work in, within the wow. places that you go to and the opportunities that I've had. I mean, I've traveled the world for this company. I've, I opened <laughs> stores in Asia. Come on. Um, and I remember actually sitting in a, in a Muslim school, a Muslim all girls school um, in another country. And I was just a volunteer. I had put together the first volunteer program for this country. They'd never volunteered. And I remember sitting on the floor as we heard the call to prayer and with tears streaming down my face as I said the founder's name and said, this is who the founders were and they created this company and this is how we're here and this is the culture that they created. And it was all through wow. obviously an interpreter, but I just remember thinking like, wow, like I, even though this founder is no longer alive and you know his wife is obviously older, I'm getting to be their hands and their feet on the ground when they started this company. They had a heart to create a culture where people feel welcome, where people wow. feel um, like they can have careers, where they can dream, where they can be creative. And I get to be a part of bringing the kingdom mindset into this place <laughs> and honoring their legacy. Um, and so anytime I would even talk about them, I would totally feel tears in my eyes because I just felt this call to honor them. And it's weird because some people would say, how do you feel called to honor someone who's not even alive anymore? I just said, because he built something that we'll never understand the cost. I won't know what the cost was of him building this company. And I want to be a part of that legacy um, and teach people that come before, come after me of like, what kind of culture do we create here? Who do we want to be? You know, how do we want to make people feel included here? How do we want to make people feel safe here? And you can bring kingdom mindsets into the marketplace and into the world without being overly Jesus-y, if that makes sense. Wow. So, couple of things I'm hearing from you because this, you know, this topic today is finding your sphere of influence. And a couple of things I heard how you kind of found your sphere of influence is you followed your favor. Number one, would yeah. be practical, just number one, following your favor. The thing you just said right now, I think it's so huge that we don't talk about it enough is sometimes we stumble into our sphere of influence through a burden by taking personal responsibility of something. Hmm. And what I just heard you say is that you were led by a burden and it caused you to take personal responsibility. Yeah. And as you took responsibility, because one of the things that we've always taught in our school is that God gives anointing to responsibility. And when you take personal responsibility for something, there's an anointing there. And the other thing I heard you say earlier was that you had to relearn. You kind of oh, yeah. had to come out of the church culture and relearn some things. Is that some of the best lessons you actually can do is relearn, learn how not to do something or relearn how to get out of maybe just some Christianese. Oh, yeah. And I think this is amazing. I, I mean, here you are thinking that you're going to be a youth pastor and you're going to influence a generation. And then God takes you outside the walls, places you in retail. You find influence. I mean, it sounds like Joseph. You find influence. You keep getting promoted. Now you are a, a the, the actual role. What do you call the actual role? You, you're, you're... Yeah, so I'm a project manager. I work for learning and development. Okay, so you're a project manager. And if we would put it in Christianese terms, you're creating culture. So you're creating culture for whole stories stores, you're traveling across the nation and you're influence. I mean, you're, you're influencing and changing culture and kingdom principle. I mean, this, I love this. I get stirred up for this type of stuff because this is what we're talking about. We're talking about having influence with the kingdom through every mountain of, of, of influence throughout society and you're doing it. I mean, I, I love it. And so let's talk a little bit more about this. So what, what would you say to the listener who feels like they're just working right now, a nine to five job, but has aspiration to go elsewhere. What would you tell that listener right now? I love this question. It's like <laughs> my favorite question <laughs> because I was that person, right? Mm. Um, and I feel, I feel like no matter where you are right now, 
you can find purpose in the now. Ooh. No matter where, no matter what, if you are a janitor, if you are doing a banking job that you hate, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you can find purpose in the now, that job can actually become your dream job. Wow. That job can actually become <laughs> your sphere of influence. Come on. Because that's what happened happened to me. I thought I liked my job. There were some days I hated it, if I'm real, but I overall liked it. But I did not feel purpose and that ate my soul alive every wow. single day. I could not find purpose in what I was doing. Therefore, I was not happy. Wow. So it didn't matter what I was doing. I just wanted to feel purpose and I wanted to feel like what I did mattered and me showing up mattered and that I was changing somebody's life. Wow. And so the second that I could find, I stopped and was like, I have to, the Lord said, you need to switch, you need to take the lenses off that you're wearing and you need to put new lenses on and you need to switch your perspective to see what I see because I've placed you here. No wow. matter where here is, you've been placed there and you, whether you placed yourself or he placed you, you're there right now. Wow. So before you move on, my advice to anybody is before you move on, obviously, unless it's clear as day, God is telling you to get out of where you're at, of course. But if it's not, that find purpose in the now and you'll find purpose anywhere but if you can't find purpose for today and you can't find purpose where you're at you won't really ever find purpose you'll keep chasing purpose and you can't chase purpose because there's always you can always find purpose in the now because there's people likely around you wow i got two questions for you uh number one it seems like at times you maybe find yourself over your head i know you said like your education doesn't match your position yeah but through your through God's favor, you're in a position and you're getting it's like what I love is that you're actually finding kingdom solution to natural problems and have an influence where you're at. What are what's one or two practical keys you can can share with us today of of how to get breakthrough when you feel like you're over your head? Yeah, I have to do this every week. If I'm being 100% honest, um, just putting it out there for everyone. I work in a job to where I, I literally do not feel qualified. It's not like, oh, I'm not qualified. I literally don't feel qualified. It's legit. These are real legit feelings. Come on, give and, it real. I love um, it. And, and I feel like God kind of gave me a picture the other day because I'm like, man, Jesus, can I just get a week off of feeling maybe like, qualified this week <laughs> that'd be super great and he kind of showed me a picture of um i played sports growing up and so he said i'm kind of like think of me like your coach in those unqualified moments so before i step into anything and i mean anything so we have uh, video calls that we do a lot a lot of my week is filled with video calls um some of them i'm just on some of them i have to speak on the other part of my job is um you know i'll go to an actual brand event where i am the speaker and wow. i may have written the script or i may have just be handed the script and i have to be able to speak it and teach it to a of people. I never feel, there's never been a time that I felt qualified. Not one time <laughs> have I felt qualified. Every time it's like a blast text to people. Hey guys, so uh, this week I'm doing this. I'm going to need y'all to pray for me. For real, pray for me though. Don't just say you're going to pray for me. I need you on your hands and knees fasting and praying for me. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, okay, Tiffany, whatever. Because it always turns out good. So it's like, how does it turn out good every time? And if it does turn out good every time, why do you feel unqualified every time? But there's just this picture that I get every time. It's kind of like before you're about to make the play in the game, before you're about to do you know a sports event for people that can relate to that you kind of have this moment with your coach to where you just kind of step a 
decide and you talk about which play you're going to make. That's and great. I feel like, you know, with mine and God's relationship, it just feels like this father daughter, but also just like my friend slash my coach. I'm like, okay, Jesus, I'm about to go do this thing that you know I really don't want to do. I never wanted to do this. Let's remind you that you put me here and you keep putting favor on me, but I'm also still scared every time. And so we just have this moment, like before I walk into a room, before I open the door, before I teach, before I turn my video camera on, it's this quiet moment, whether it's I just turn a worship song on, whether it's just me and him. And I'm like, okay, God, here we go. I'm nervous. Like, what does this look like? And then I kind of like, if you imagine yourself in a bubble, I kind of get myself out of the nervous bubble. And I imagine like, who's going to be on that video call? Who's going to be in this room? Who flew to this city to hear this message? Whether it has wow. to do with business or not, I'm still delivering the message. So what do I need to stand in so that they can receive God through business? Mm. Because it doesn't matter what I'm talking about because he's in me. Yeah. So I just have to get those nerves off. But there's always this humbling moment. And really, I don't ever want to lose this. Even though I hate it, it's a love-hate relationship of feeling unqualified. But it's also this humbling moment to where I feel like, God, I never want to not be humble before I walk into a meeting. I never want to, I would never want to be overly confident because I always want to check myself to make sure that I'm 100% hearing what you would have me say. And I totally do step out. If it's off the script, I'll step out. If he has me say something, I'll say something else. But I think that... Um, yeah, it's just having that quiet coaching moment with God before I step into something. You know, what I love you just said is that I don't know if I'm ever going to feel qualified or like in those moments. And I'll just be really real because I in high school, I actually would skip speech class because I was afraid to speak. Like I got a D, I barely graduated public speaking and God has a sense of humor because that's what I do for a living. I mean, yeah. I mean I'm doing speaking right here on a podcast, <laughs> you know, and it's interesting because even at times, Des can tell there's every the time after time after time when I have to speak, I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to say. I start stressing out. I don't know if I have something to say. I don't know. I, you know, I, I go through these, uh, I wouldn't say panic, but it's just like I'm feeling not qualified. Then I'll get up there and I'm just like, Lord, I trust you. You you, you called me to this, so I trust you. And there's something about that humility that, that allows you to tap into a grace and where I feel not qualified. And you have people come up and like, that was like one of the best, that, that message transformed my life. And I'm thinking like, you serious? Because like, I yeah. felt like I didn't even say anything. And here I am, I'm working my, how many, how many times have I worked myself? And, and she's been like a coach, literally. She's like, you always do this. What always happens? You get the testimony. And, and sometimes people don't understand. And I think I want to be able to share that because I think when you have those those people who are leaders that actually are vulnerable and they share their process, it makes like, wow, you go through that? Like people don't understand, like I still go through that. I've been doing public speaking for like since uh, since 2001. And I'm like, I still feel that. I still feel the butterflies. But I, I remember uh, this quote that just rocked me uh, from comedian. I, and it just, I mean, it's, it's rocked me and it's actually helped me. It's, um, the quote goes like, like this it's actually from a comedian his name is uh brian regan it says the things that you remember in life are the things that happen after you have butterflies so don't avoid the butterflies because those are the memory makers and i thought about every time i had a defining moment whether for me or i released it for somebody else it i always had butterflies i always felt disqualified over my head but that's the thing in the kingdom. What qualifies you is that you're over your head. Because until you're over your head, he can't get a resource to you that's over your head. And that's the qualifying point. 
You know, I love that because I think one thing I so appreciate about the mothers and fathers that we've had in our life is they've modeled so well is you never arrive. You never become an expert. <laughs> yes. If you always stay with that heart of a, of a learner, that there's always room to grow. And I just love that. Even even if there's people that we admire and we look up to and they're yeah. really good at something and we tend to want to compare ourselves. But if you always have that posture and keep that posture in, in humility and I'm there's always somewhere to grow. There's always somewhere, something to learn. You know, and that in God, you know, we just heard an amazing message by Dano at church today about that our confidence and our competence is in him. Yeah. You know, and, and there are things that we might get good at or whatever. But at the end of the day, I love your story, Tiffany, about even the money thing and, and how the moment <laughs> yes. we think we can handle things is the moment we we, we like missed it. We missed the point, you yeah. know, and yeah. so I just love that. So I have a question for you. I love your story. What is one time now looking in what you do uh, in retrospect? You're like, I can't believe I'm here right now. This is just I mean, this is blowing me away like. A moment in your journey right now in what you're doing that in that moment you recognize, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is, is this really happening? Where it just was an overwhelming, extraordinary moment that just kind of became a reality of what you're doing. Yeah, there was actually, um, it kind of goes back to the time that I was asking God, you know, I really want to leave. I want to, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I got to go find, you know, where I'm supposed to be. And when he said, you know, switch your perspective, you basically, you belong here. This is your sphere of influence, but change the way you're leading. Um, and then he put that burden of legacy on my heart. Well, a, exactly a year later to the day of feeling that burden of legacy, I was nominated for the legacy award <laughs> for the company. Come on. Um, Come on. So yeah, there's only five people in the whole entire company and you know hundreds of thousands of people and uh yeah i was nominated so i was top five um in in america and around the world so it was global uh top five and so yeah it was <laughs> insane and not only that um once all the awards ended and everything I, I didn't win but i knew i wasn't gonna win and i actually wrote the letter i wrote a letter to the president and uh prayed for him in the letter and i said you know i knew i wasn't gonna win and you made the right choice because i actually wasn't up to par for the number one spot but i'm honored that i was nominated. Once that was all over, I wrote a letter to the founder, the lady, she's still alive. Um, but I wrote her a letter and I got a handwritten letter back to her in the mail. And ne I never mentioned the awards or anything like that. I never wanted to tell her anything about that. I just wanted to thank her and her husband for founding the company. And I just wanted to thank them for my career, you know, finally realizing it all come together. Like God knew all along that this is where I was supposed to be. And this is my fear of influence. So it was just this, this year really, that it really came together for me. Um, and then sitting in my car, reading her handwritten letter, that was a full page to me of what that letter meant to her wow. was just like, okay, Jesus, I ever, why did I ever doubt you? Wow. I, I, that's like the kiss of heaven. Here you are feeling not qualified education yep. maybe background and you're nominated yes top five i mean talk about the kiss of heaven yeah and then the, i mean this i love that's a breakthrough right that's a breakthrough story breakthrough testimony and uh i just love it so tiffany uh anything any last thoughts or words you'd like to leave with the listener today yeah, I think, um, you know, I think everybody goes through just like talking about feeling like not qualified. And I know we touched on it sort of a lot, but I think I just want to encourage everybody that like everyone goes through that. Like we all go through no matter what you're doing, the most qualified person is probably struggling with feeling unqualified. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, every all of our relationships look different with with Holy Spirit. And so it's just really getting with him of like, OK, Holy Spirit, cool. Listen to this podcast. But what does that mean for us? Yeah. Like, what does it mean? Like, how do I what does my quiet moment will look like? 
like with you before I'm about to do something that's going to cause those butterflies <clears throat> in me? And how do I get through it so that I break through that? But figuring out your own personal um, journey with God of like, what does our little moment look like before I, we go out and do this thing? That's so good. Could you do us a favor today, Tiffany? I know we talk about breakthrough a lot and the nature of breakthrough is that when you get a personal breakthrough, it, it allows others to come into a corporate breakthrough. Would you just pray for the listener today that feels unqualified where they're at? Would you just release yeah. your breakthrough over them right now? Yeah, Father, I just thank you for everyone that's listening right now. And Jesus, we just speak to the person that's just, whether they're in their car, whether they're at work, whether they're in the church, wow. whatever place, whether they're a stay-at-home mom, whatever they're doing, Jesus, um, we just pray that right now, whatever day it is, whatever time it is, that you would just flood their mind and their spirit and their heart and their body with an overwhelming feeling of you've got them. That They would just know that God's got me, that you qualify us. We don't have to work at qualifying ourselves, but that once you come and you partner with us, we become more qualified with you than we ever, than the most qualified looking person that we admire our biggest hero. But when you step in with us, God, that we're even more qualified than that. So Jesus, I just um, we just break off any fear, any anxiety over people that are struggling with wondering if they can do this next thing or if they're good enough. Uh, we just break that those thoughts off of them. And God, I ask that they would have an, a true encounter that goes deep within their heart with you and wherever they're at and whatever moment they're in right now in Jesus' name. Come on. Thank That's you fire. so much, Tiffany, having you on has been such a treat so thank you so much yes it was so yeah, fun thank you for being on the show today we really enjoyed it so uh tiffany how can the listener be able to continue to follow you be able to glean from you and if they have any questions how, how could they reach out to you yeah so i'm on facebook and instagram my instagram is kind of funny so you know don't make fun of me but <laughs> it's just tiffany lane underscore underscore awesome 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 well guys if today's podcast has enriched your life make sure to subscribe to it would you please Please share this uh, podcast with your friends and family uh, members as it will help us to extend our reach. Thank you for listening. Until next time, this is Matt Gonzalez. And this is Desiree Gonzalez. Be blessed. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the Matt and Des Experience. This podcast exists to inspire and motivate you to transform the world around you. Continue the journey with Matt and Des Gonzalez by liking them on Facebook and checking out mattanddes.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.